I want to talk to you a little bit by way of introduction about a literary feature that we sometimes find in stories that makes a big difference to the emphasis, the way a story is told, and that feature is point of view. Have you heard about this in your English or your literature class, point of view? It actually makes a big difference. And I can talk to you all about this. I probably wouldn't even take the time to discuss this in maybe a church service or a setting like that. When the new students, the freshmen come in, I can't have conversations like this. You all are educated. So we can talk about point of view and uh, the difference that it makes, <clears throat> not only in fictional literature, but in the Bible. Totally as an aside, I think you men need to study literature a little bit. Even if it's not your thing, you need to understand how literature works. The Bible is sacred literature. It's much more than literature, but it's literature. And some folks, when they have an opportunity to teach and preach the Bible, they skip right over the literary part of the literature and try to get right to the doctrine and sometimes end up actually in extreme cases, contradicting the doctrinal point that is there because they don't understand how the literature works. But let's talk about point of view, the perspective from which a story is told. A story, you know, you can tell the same story from different perspectives. That's what you need to understand, the essential point. You can tell the same story from different perspectives, and it changes the story. So in literature, we see the person from which the story is told. In other words, first person or third person. If a story is told in the first person, the story is all filtered through that one main character. An example might be Huckleberry Finn, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. He tells the story, that character in the story. There's pros and cons. See, one of the, one of the great benefits of telling a story from the first person is that you get to be immersed in that character's experiences and everything he sees and hears and feels. You get to really see and hear that as a reader. But it's also limited. You don't get a big perspective of what's happening in, in, in the world at large. On the other hand, a story could be told from the third-person perspective. And I'll just give you the example of, for example, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So we follow a main character through the story, Ebenezer Scrooge and all the things that he experienced, but it's a bigger picture than just him himself. A lot of events are going on. You get a bigger perspective. It makes a difference. It actually makes a difference. Um, I'm thinking of the author F. Scott Fitzgerald. He's probably best known for a story that he wrote, The Great Gatsby. And I'm not necessarily, by mentioning the story, I'm not saying run out and read it right now. Maybe you shouldn't. But he's well known for that story. He wrote another story that's known and popular called Winter Dreams. And what's kind of interesting about that, The Great Gatsby and Winter Dreams are essentially the same story. But they're told from different point of view, different perspective. And so it makes the tone of the story completely different. Now try to keep that in mind as we turn to Daniel chapter 6. And let me ask you some basic questions about the point of view in Daniel chapter 6 to get at the essence of what Daniel is really trying to tell us as he relates this story. We all think it's about Daniel and the lion's den. It's really not. First of all, let me ask you this simple question. Who's the author of the story? Daniel chapter 6, who's the author? Help me out here. You're tired. I'm tired. I know. But you can respond. It's fine. Who's the author of Daniel chapter 6? You all are too intelligent. You're waiting for the tough questions. Okay, that's fine. They're coming. Daniel wrote this story, and yet, even though Daniel wrote this story, and it's a remarkable experience in the life of Daniel, is this story told in first person? I, Daniel, did this, and then I, Daniel, did that, and I saw this, and I heard that, and wow, it was amazing. Not told in the first person, it's told in the third person. Which means that we're not meant to immerse ourselves in Daniel's experience in the story. We're meant to get a bigger, broader perspective. Question number two. 
Who is the protagonist of this story? I told you the tougher questions were coming. Okay, you could look at it different ways, but the answer is Daniel. Daniel. It's Daniel versus the lions, Daniel versus the rulers, Daniel even versus the king. Fine, it's Daniel. And yet, this story does not follow Daniel, does it? At the beginning of the chapter, Daniel, check, uh, sorry, Daniel 6 and verse 1, who's the first character we read about? King Darius. As we read through this chapter, you can see over and over and over again, the king did this, and the king said that, and the king heard the other thing, and the king signed the decree, and the king uh, heard these words, and the king commanded, and the king went to his palace, and he did all these things. And then we end, the end of the chapter, the king writes a decree. The story doesn't follow Daniel around. Even if he is the protagonist, it follows the king. Y'all with me so far? Question number three. Of all the characters mentioned in in the story, which one changes? Your choices are basically Daniel, the king, and the group of rulers who are opposed to Daniel. Which one of them changes on the insides who they really are? The king. The king is the one who changes. Daniel doesn't change. His experience, yeah, that changes. His position, well, that changes. How about that group of rulers? Well, you know, they changed from alive to dead, but their motivation didn't change. They were still the same people, just deader than they had been before. (laughs) Sorry, a little dark humor. Um, They don't change, essentially. Daniel doesn't change, essentially. The king changes. Do you know Daniel chapter 6 is about something bigger even than Daniel? About something more amazing and more remarkable even than the experience in the lion's den? Do you realize we're not even given the experience of Daniel in the lion's den? And that's funny because every time I heard this story told when I was in elementary school in the Sunday school class in church, it was always about the lions. The teacher was right there with the flannel graph and look at these lions, kids. They're so scary, aren't they, kids? They're scary. Now let me hear you roar like a lion. Who can roar like a lion? Nobody. Hey. <laughs> so scary. And it's an interesting feature of the story, but you know, none of that is in there. None of that is in the Bible. The only thing we hear about that amazing experience of Daniel in the lion's den. The only thing we hear about it is Daniel saying to the king, God sent his angel and stopped the lion's mouths. He doesn't even tell us the experience. Nothing about how they smelled or what they looked like or the, you know, the, the, what the angel was like when it appeared there. Nothing. Do you realize when he gave that, that brief description, number one, it was about God and what God did, and number two, it was a testimony to the king. The king said, Daniel, can your God save you from the mouths of the lions? Daniel said, don't worry. He did. It was all about God. It was all about the king. This story is about a king and a kingdom. Daniel chapter 6 is about a king and a kingdom. I'll say it one more time. Daniel chapter 6, really not about the amazing experience of Daniel in the lion's den. It was about a king and a kingdom. Now, what lessons can we learn from that? Number one, humility. Number one, humility. I'm afraid all of us have a shocking ability to make everything about ourselves at times. Whatever the situation or the conversation may be, we try to find a way to turn the attention to ourselves a little bit. He had an interesting story, but I've got one that's better, you know. Daniel has the most interesting story of all of us, and he doesn't even tell it. Because he had the humility to know when God the Holy Spirit said, Daniel, you should write that one about the lion's den, that the story was not about him. He doesn't even do anything in the story until verse 10. Did you see that? 
And at the critical moment when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and we're all wondering what's going to happen, the perspective of the story is not with Daniel, it's with who? We follow the king. He goes back to his palace. He passes a sleepless night. The next morning he's up early. He runs to the lion's den. We follow the king. And Daniel's the one writing the story. Come on, Daniel, I want to hear about the lion's den. Daniel says, you're not going to hear about the lion's den because that's not the point. And you and I, we get an opportunity to talk about ourselves and we're going to take it. You know, it's about us. Do you know your successes, and are, your successes are not about you, yourself, the excesses the Lord allows you to see in life, ministry, school, whatever it may be, is not about you. And the tough times aren't about you either. The really rough trials you're going to go through this year, and I'm not going to tell you, it's all, every day is not going to be roses and rainbows for you this year. It's going to be hard. Now, BCM isn't quite as bad as the lion's den. It's about that much, that much easier. But do you understand the real, uh, the real fearsome nature of this trial Daniel went through wasn't the lions, it was the lion. This was a spiritual battle for a kingdom. It wasn't the circumstances that made this deal scary. And you've got to recognize, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood this year. Sometimes students get burdened down with the pressures and they start to lash out and to actually fight against the wrong enemies. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Your problem isn't with your parents or your teacher or your, the school here. Turn your attention to the real enemy. There's a bigger picture at stake. Your successes, your failures, your trials, it's not about you. It's about somebody else. There's a king and a kingdom at stake. Number two, second lesson we can learn from the story, maturity. Maturity. As I said before, Daniel rose above the lion's den. When he was in that lion's den, he let the the camera shift over. He let the focus shift over to the king. And I don't know, I wonder if in the lion's den, Daniel wasn't praying for his own safety. Maybe he was praying for the king the whole time. Maturity. He saw his trial from above the trial. And the story is told from beyond the lion's den. And I wonder if if when it's our turn to tell our story and share our testimony... I wonder if sometimes we're tempted to turn the focus to ourselves because we lack that maturity. Something bigger at stake. I hope you have a big vision for yourself this year. But I hope you have a big vision for somebody else too. And let me just take a moment to dwell on that first point. I do hope you have a vision for yourself and what God can do through you this year. I really do. You look at the world around you. This is not the time for casual Christian ministry. This is not the time to just give it a try and see what happens. This is time for bold action. If you've ever wanted to try something for God that was big and bold and audacious, this year is the time to do it. Don't think to yourself, I'm going to graduate from school one of these days. Then I'm going to get a vision. I'll get married. I'll get to, you know, ordained. Then I'll get a vision. By then it's too late. Now, you've got to have a vision for today, for this year, for right now. Try something. Just give it a try. This is the time for big vision. God wants to do something big through you. Why not? If not now, when? If not you, who? But in addition to that, I hope you've got a big vision for somebody else. And I'm saying that because here in just a few hours, we're going to welcome some new students. And I hope God will give you a big vision for those men and women. 
You've got such an opportunity yourself to get this training here to prepare for a big plan that God has for your life, but you've got an opportunity yourself to encourage tomorrow's leaders as they walk in the doors today. How about that? And some of them don't look like tomorrow's leaders, you know? Right. This situation in Daniel chapter 6, this didn't look like the salvation of a kingdom when Daniel's down there in that pit. Oh, good news, Daniel. You're going in the pit with the lions. This is going to be great. The king's going to be converted. Didn't look like that and didn't feel like that at the time. But there was something big that God was doing, something big. And again, incidentally, it's so remarkable to me how God usually does this, how God works through the, the deepest, darkest, satanic attacks to bring out the greatest good. And we've got to have that vision. You feel Satan's after you. You don't know why. You think, I'm not that important. Why all of this, the trials, the testing, the discouragement? and Why me? You've got to have that vision. God's going to take all of this, and he's going to use it, and he's going to reverse this situation. He's going to turn this curse into a blessing. God will bring me out. God will change the king. God will change the kingdom. Now, to wrap up, let me give you this quick illustration. A few years back, I saw a video interview of a contemporary author named Ernest Gaines. Now, Ernest Gaines uh, has recently passed away. He's no longer with us, but he was, uh, he was being interviewed about his writing process and things of that nature. And he told a couple of stories about what we've just been talking about, point of view in a story. He said, on one occasion, I was halfway through writing a novel, a big, long book, and I sent the first half of the, the drafts off to my editor. My editor replied, and he said, this is a great story, but he said, you're telling it from the wrong perspective. You need to switch. Instead of telling the story from third person, you need to tell it from first person. And he said on this interview, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm halfway done. I'm an author. I know what I'm doing. He said, I kept writing for about another month. I kept writing. And then I realized my editor was right. I went back to the beginning of the story, and I rewrote the whole thing in a whole different perspective. And he said, that was the way to go. It changed the story. And then he said, on another occasion, I had the reverse happen. I was writing something uh, from a first-person perspective and trying this neat effect in the story. And I, was, I had been writing. I had half the novel written. And he said, this is not the right story. I went back. I told the same story from a different perspective. OK. All I'm trying to say to you this morning is don't tell the wrong story this year because you've got the wrong point of view. It's not about you. Whether it's successes or failures, whether it's an up day or a down day, it's not about you. There's a king and a kingdom at stake. And you and I need to have that view, by God's grace, from above the lion's den. Daniel wasn't above the lion's den. He was in the lion's den. But by God's grace, his perspective, his point of view, was up here. 